Lithuania's ambassador to China, Diana Mishkavenia, who was returning to Beijing, confirms she's been asked to leave the country by the Chinese government. The ambassador told media that she was notified of her ejection on Wednesday and will leave the country after completing her mandatory 21-day quarantine. Her expulsion is part of an intensifying diplomatic spat between China and Lithuania over an office Taiwan plans to establish in the Baltic country under the name Taiwan. So far, Lithuania has stood by its decision to allow the Taiwan office. Its president said Tuesday that his country has the right to choose which countries and regions it wants to develop a relationship with. After China announced it would recall its ambassador to Lithuania, the Lithuanian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the EU said they regretted the move. At a press briefing, China's Foreign Affairs Ministry spokeswoman Hua Chunying told a reporter that Lithuania's decision to let Taiwan authorities open a representative office under the name of Taiwan severely contravened the One China principle. She said China has the right to and should make legitimate and reasonable responses. In protest of her new Taiwan office in Lithuania, China has withdrawn its ambassador to Lithuania and asked the Baltic state to do the same. Lithuania's ambassador to Beijing confirms that she's been asked to leave and says she's preparing to do so. Whether this will lead to a rupture in official relations remains unknown. What's clear is that Taiwan and Lithuania's relationship, I think, will continue on. That's to say, our plan to establish a representative office remains unchanged. Responding to China's actions, the president of Lithuania said Tuesday his country's relationship with China should be founded on mutual respect. He said that as an independent and sovereign country, Lithuania had the right to choose which countries and regions it wants to develop economic and cultural ties with. In an interview with FTV, a Lithuanian MP spoke about why her country was resisting pressure from Beijing to back Taiwan. And as we had uh, over half a century, so when we hear China threatening us, we're not really impressed. I don't think that many countries are afraid of China. I think it's more about pragmatism. According to the MP, China withdrew its envoy the same day her country's parliament convened a special session to defend Lithuania from a hybrid attack by its neighbor Belarus. She said the timing was no coincidence. Joint EU position. So here is the same situation. We feel that all Western countries, all democratic countries, should stand united and state very clearly. So we are going to hold on our friendship with Taiwanese people. The heavier China's oppression becomes, the bigger the backlash, especially within Lithuania, both in civil society and its parliament. So I believe that Lithuania will be able to go on with support from the US, EU and other countries. Lithuania's Foreign Affairs Committee chair has also weighed in. He said Lithuania wanted an equitable bilateral relationship and would not pay serious attention to threats of punishment. He said his country did not fear China's authoritarian pressure and that Lithuania's support for Taiwan remained unchanged. There were four local cases, two imported infections and one COVID-related death on Thursday. So far, nearly 90% of confirmed cases have been released from isolation. With the epidemic showing clear signs of easing, the Central Epidemic Command Center announced that it is lifting the ban on visits at residential long-term care facilities everywhere in the country except Taipei and New Taipei. Let's hear from the health chief.
复苏性长高呃长照机构哈，我们也啊现在宣布说可以开放探视。Visits are now allowed at residential long-term care facilities, except in Greater Taipei. The reason for this exception is that in our epidemic investigations, we identified high, medium-high, and low-risk areas. Taipei and New Taipei are currently still high-risk areas, so care facilities will not reopen for visits. If the epidemic eases there and its risk level is downgraded, visits will resume. Visitors will need to present a negative antigen or PCR COVID test taken within three days of the visit. Such tests include rapid home test kits. Visitors must make an appointment and complete real name registration. The facilities must inquire into the patient's TOCC. Each resident must not have more than three visitors at a time. Social distancing and masks are mandatory at all times during the visit. As for the latest in Taiwan's vaccination campaign, more than 9.4 million doses have been administered. Nearly 38% of the population has received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. The fifth round of vaccination is currently underway, with Moderna to be administered to some 487,000 people. Another 524,000 AstraZeneca vaccines arrived in Taiwan on Thursday, part of a 10 million dose order the government placed directly with the manufacturer. Also on Thursday, the foreign ministry shut down speculation that the U.S. plans to donate another 1.5 million vaccines to Taiwan for a total of 4 million doses. This June, U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth made a brief visit to Taiwan to announce a donation of COVID vaccines. In a Tuesday interview with a Washington-based think tank, she said the U.S. had earmarked 4 million vaccines for Taiwan. Taiwan is being blockaded by China right now. What China had done through the um, uh, uh, vaccine program was basically block Taiwan off from any of the vaccines. And so, um, you know, even though it was just 750,000 initially, the first tranche, we're now well over 4 million vaccines for Taiwan. During her stop in Taipei, Duckworth had announced a donation of 750,000 vaccines for Taiwan. The U.S. later tripled the donation to 2.5 million doses. But the senator's latest remark has stoked speculation that there's 1.5 million more yet to be delivered. We have inquired about this statement through our representative office in the U.S. At present, there is no indication of such a plan. We have received accurate information from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. There is no such plan at present. It's possible that Duckworth had this plan in mind, that she wanted to make it happen. But currently, there is no such plan. We are very thankful regardless. The health chief said it was not true that the U.S. intended to donate 4 million vaccines. But 524,000 doses of AstraZeneca did arrive in Taiwan Thursday afternoon, part of an order made with the manufacturer. The vaccines reached Taiwan at 3.30 p.m. on a China Airlines flight. Staff rushed to load the cargo into cold storage containers. The vaccines will go through inspection before being distributed to local governments to ease their shortage. As of today, we have received 2.41 million doses of our order with AstraZeneca. The expiry date of this batch of vaccines is December 31st. In general, we're always looking at how many people are due for a second dose, and we try to set aside a supply for that. In general, we are still trying to vaccinate the population by age, going from older to younger. Chen told reporters that more vaccine shipments are expected in the near future, but he declined to give details on vaccine brand or quantity. 
The director of the Sports Administration has confirmed that he will resign over a controversial flight arrangement for Olympic athletes. Sports body director Zhang Xiaoxi had tendered his resignation in late July when news broke that athletes were seated in economy class while government officials flew business class to Tokyo. The seating arrangement drew criticism as well as an apology from President Tsai Ing-wen. On Tuesday, Zhang put out a statement on social media confirming that he will be stepping down to take a university teaching post. The Ministry of Education also issued a statement. It said Premier Su Chang agreed to Zhang's decision and commended him for having the courage to take responsibility. Isolation is ending for Taiwanese Olympians who are starting to reunite with their families. Badminton star Wang Qiling was released from his hotel early Thursday after spending the required seven days alone. As one half of a duo that just won Olympic gold, he was sent off by adoring fans outside his hotel. Following seven days of isolation at a hotel, this Taiwanese Olympian is going home at last. In the early hours of Thursday, Wang's father arrived at the hotel to pick him up. Wang chose to check out under cover of darkness, but he couldn't hide from his fans who were waiting outside. The moment they saw him, they were clamoring for a photo. I'm very happy I got a photo. I've seen all his games. As for Wang's doubles partner, Lee was still in his hotel room and will stay there for another seven days to complete self-health management. Lee turned 26 on Thursday, and Wang was among the first to wish him a happy birthday. He's asleep. I told him happy birthday. A fan gave Lee a card and a gift, which he shared on Instagram. Outside his hotel, another fan stood vigil with a handmade sign, hoping to run into Lee, only to learn he'd be staying in his hotel room another seven days. I prepared a cake and a card to thank him. It's really too bad he has to spend his birthday in a quarantine hotel. Meanwhile, over in Taichung, Judo star Yang Yongwei reunited with his family after three months apart. His first order of business was a stop at the local temple to thank the Earth God for blessing him. Thank you for your support. Right now, I'm looking forward to enjoying a short break with my family, to spending some quality time with my family. Taiwan's Olympic athletes are fully vaccinated and are only required to self-isolate for seven days upon return. But Yang's parents have not yet been vaccinated. Out of an abundance of caution, he chose to isolate for a full 14 days, which ended Thursday at noon. He went straight from his Taipei Hotel to his home in Holy District, Taichung. After all, it's been such a long time since I was home. It's a little emotional for me. Thank you all for your care and support. After a little time off, Yang will return to the National Sports Training Center in Kaohsiung. He hopes to shine at the National Games in mid-October and at the 2022 Asian Games in Hangzhou, China. For the second year in a row, new Taipei Mayor Ho Yi has received a five-star rating for leadership from the Global Views monthly magazine. Based on the results of a poll of residents, the annual survey found Taoyuan Mayor Zhang Wenchan was rated five stars too for the fifth year in a row. They and three other local leaders were commended by the magazine at a ceremony on Thursday. <laughs> Global Views Monthly has released its latest list of top local leaders. The mayors of New Taipei and Taoyuan each received a five-star rating. 
Both are also favored for the 2024 presidential election. But on Thursday, both were tight-lipped about any potential presidential ambitions. What's next for me is very simple. It's completing the mission of epidemic prevention. That is my most important task at hand. It's something that has to be done well. I am single-minded. My focus is on municipal administration and epidemic prevention. Our cooperative relationship comes before anything else because we really only have one Taiwan. We have to face difficulties together, overcome them together. Mayor Ho is a two-time recipient of a five-star rating. For Mayor Zheng, this is the fifth time. Five stars also went to Ping Dong's Pan Meng An, a three-time recipient, and to Lianjiang's Liu Zhengying, who's been at the top six times. Huayan Xu Zhengwei is also back at five stars after slipping in the ratings in 2020. Here in Hualien, we want to create our own sort of paradise, a place where more people can settle down and thrive. Commissioner Pan of Pingdong County is about to reach the end of his two-term tenure. He was asked on Thursday about his plans for the future. Oh me? I will go home to tend to the fields. My family grows mangoes. I will go home to look after the mangoes. Pan has been tipped before for a post as Minister of Agriculture. Political watchers say don't count him out yet. But for now, the top local leaders say they're focused only on one thing, fighting the pandemic and helping their people through difficulties. An F-16V fighter jet made a safe emergency landing in Jai on Wednesday after its cockpit canopy detached during a training mission. It was the first such malfunction reported anywhere in the world for the F-16 model since it began mass production. The pilot was able to return the jet to base without sustaining injury. A retired Air Force pilot told us the incident could easily have resulted in tragedy. Had the canopy broken off at high altitude, since the pressure difference between the cockpit and the outside is so great and the cruising speed so fast, the canopy falling off at high altitude could have blown away the pilot's helmet because the jet is moving so fast. If your helmet is off, you can't open your eyes because the cornea can't withstand speeds of 700 or 800 kilometers per hour. If the canopy falls at high altitude, the only option is to eject and deploy a parachute. Reports say the pilot had over 500 hours of flight experience. Reports say an electrical fault could have caused the canopy to not seal properly, allowing high-speed winds into the cabin and dislodging the enclosure. The Air Force says an investigation into the incident is ongoing. And now to the easing pandemic. As COVID risks recede, beauty spas are the latest industry to reopen. The Economics Ministry says beauty treatments are good to go again, even close contact facial treatments. But there are lots of rules designed to reduce the risk of spreading COVID while at the spa. The phone is ringing off the hook for this spa receptionist. At last, the Ministry of Economic Affairs has given facial beauty treatments the green light to restart. This face protection case is modeled on one invented by Dr. Lai Xianyong from the Mennonite Christian Hospital. But the case for beauty treatments is larger and wider to allow beauty technicians to use both their hands for the treatment. 
让我蛮安心的，就是至少有个。I feel quite safe using it. I mean, at least there's some barrier. I haven't had my face done for months. As soon as it was re-allowed, I made a booking ASAP. 那有身体加脸的话，他们就会同步进行。所以到 When people get body plus face treatments, they usually want to get them done together. So this month, we're already about 70 or 80 percent booked up. Lots of beauty lovers have been champing at the bit, waiting for the spa to reopen. But staff have to be careful carrying out such close contact treatments. They disinfect their hands regularly, wear face masks and visors at all times, and dispose of each massage table covering as soon as the treatment is complete. Towels, pillows, and face protection cases are constantly getting disinfected too. First, we train staff and practice the procedures. So when clients really lie down for a treatment, they don't feel anything is different and they don't feel awkward. We maintain that comfort and ease we've always had. There are still restrictions around beauty services, but for this spa, it's a relief to be able to reopen. With all the precautions in place, they hope that self-care won't become an opportunity for COVID to spread. Staying on COVID restrictions, an annual jazz summer festival held by the National Theatre and Concert Hall will be held virtually this year from August 13th to 21st. Let's take a look at the highlights. The annual jazz festival held at the National Theatre and Concert Hall's main plaza attracts around 30,000 people every year. However, due to the pandemic, the festival will be held virtually for the first time this year. Due to the pandemic, the NTCH Summer Jazz Party will be held virtually this year. The first pre-recorded performance will be released on August 13th. It stars jazz singer NMA8, who will be joined by keyboard player Anthony Perlman, drummer Devlin Chen, and bass player Huan Su Kang. A challenge of this year's festival is finding ways to engage audiences through a screen. Instead of coming to a theater or a concert hall, um, a, a physical space, how can we engage with um, our audiences? So we want to introduce our um, musicians um, in a different way. So uh, we start to have um, this theme-based um, events. People can share about their life and then their love life or you know, how, uh, what they face at work and then uh, they can decide, our musicians can um, present them music. And I put a nickel in the telephone, dialed my baby's number, got a brr, 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 busy line. The organizers have filmed two videos called Jazz Day and Night. The day video features a swing dance performance by the Naughty Swing Team, and viewers at home are encouraged to dance along. The night video is 60 minutes of jazz designed to help viewers unwind after a long day. For the day and night, it's really about like when you wake up uh, in the morning. Like, how do we start our day? And then can we introduce some uh, music that that can help you start your day and then they give you the energy? And then at the night, it's really just you know after being in front of the screen for so long. And then what are the music that we can uh, we can we can play for you? And then to really becoming um, part of your life and then sort of like um, embedding. The music in 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 your daily life. Since 2003, the National Theater and Concert Hall has delighted jazz lovers with its summer jazz party. This year, it will continue to entertain audiences virtually. 
The festival will take place on the NTCH Facebook and YouTube page. New videos will be uploaded at 8 p.m. every day from August 13th to August 21st. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenghan in Taipei. The hacker stage play Child Bride or Hua Tun Yu will soon return to a theater near you. After the easing of Level 3, in person theater is back. The Hacker Affairs Council has announced a nationwide tour for the musical show. Child Bride was a big hit earlier this year, with critics praising its complex and ambitious storytelling. On stage, two long-lost sisters reunite by chance. Both were sent as children to different families, raised as adopted daughters, and then married to the family's sons. Their trials and tribulations, loves and losses make for a profound exploration of Hakka history. Child Bride will run for eight shows from August on a tour across Taiwan. The play uses many conflicting elements to express the universal aspect of humanity. So although it's a traditional theater style, it explores the universal human condition. The plot revolves around the common historical practice of adopting a child as a future bride for the son of a family. It hopes to raise awareness of Hakka cultural history. The play's author says incorporating modern and traditional elements of storytelling was a big challenge. The two lines of the story, one for each sister, run concurrently, and it's also comparing and contrasting the past and the present day. So it was a very tough test for the actors. Critics say the costume design and music are both ambitious and surprising. The show is a big hitter in Hakka cultural circles and a grand return for theater after the lockdown nadir.